Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Tops Podcast here today. Episode 101. Hello, we're here. I'm joined by John Cook. I'm going to now give the intro over to Jono, though, because this is the start of John Cook's kind of series, I suppose, on the show. Uh, it was his idea, and um, yeah, he's going to take you through what's going to be happening over, I suppose, the next two years of the show, really, potentially. Yeah, um, the name's Cook. John Cook. Um, and we were wondering a little while ago what we would do when uh, we finished with the, well, not exactly finished, but when we kind of run out of a backlog of MCU films to do, because obviously we'll still review new MCU films as they come in. But we were like, okay, we need another series to do. And here we are, as you may be able to see from my YouTube background or not, if you're listening to the podcast. We had a little discussion and we decided that we are going to, on a monthly basis, review the James Bond films in order. Um, so this is effectively the first one. This is us here today reviewing Dr. No. Um, how are we going to do this? We've got 25 films, so we're going to do one a month over the course of the next couple of years. Um, it's not just going to be myself and Alex every time, although it is just us today. Um, we're going to have a guest contributor coming in for each of the remaining films, um, doubling up now and then. So, you know, some people are going to do two or three. Um, sometimes it's going to be people that we've had on before. Uh, once or twice, it's going to be new people that are coming in to give you a bit of variety and, uh, you know, spice things up a little bit. And we're just going to engage in James Bond, have a very great time. Um, it's going to be a very interesting one because I've seen literally all of these films. I, I practically grew up with them. Um, you know, some of these films I've seen like upwards of 20 times. Um, Alex, on the other hand, has only seen the Daniel Craig's. Yes. So anything pre-2006, he is experiencing for the first time. Exactly. Yeah, it's exciting. I can't. I can't really wait. It's weird to think that we've got contingency plans for the next two years of podcasting. Um, sort of weird when you kind of commit to that. I suppose it's weird because even in the podcast infancy was when we started the MCU because that was like episode fourteen, and that took us like episode ninety something. So really, it's weird yeah. to kind of start a new road again. I'm excited for it though. Um, yeah, I mean, if we do one a month, this will take us up to like episode two hundred and five. <laughs> I'll be 23. Um, um, I'm, and we I'm not going to say how old I'll be. We, we, um, we might also know who the new James Bond or 007 would be at that point as well. So, That's um, Chris Marshall, isn't it? <laughs> it's always bloody Chris Marshall. <laughs> um, but uh, my bet's David Tennant, because it's either Chris Marshall or it's David Tennant. So, yeah. yeah always, um, it's always David Tennant. He's, he's everywhere. He's absolutely yes. Everywhere. Um, but also, like you say, it's interesting for me because normally when we go into a podcast, it's either something that I've known before. So even if it's a new Doctor Who story, I know the world of Doctor Who. Whereas the, I obviously I know the world of the Daniel Craig Bonds, but I'm also very aware that they're sort of isolated in terms of they're very different to say, for example, today's film Doctor No, which is the you know much you know difference of what Daniel Craig and the team did now. So it's kind of interesting to go back to that. Also do you want to emphasize you're not going to miss any of the content. So like John said, there's three Marvel content. We're still doing Doctor Who monthly as well. And there'll be other things popping up around this stuff. So you're not yeah, missing we'll be, doing, we'll be doing wrestling every now and then and all of that. This is just something that we're adding in because we kind of realized that um 
obviously we've done the backlog of Marvel, Marvel films and now there's kind of space one a month for, for, for doing something else. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I also, um, I know, John, you want to bring this up as well. Uh, before we get into the meat and potatoes of the podcast, we always hear about good vibes and having a laugh, um, which was uh, shown on the 100th episode of the podcast, part one. Uh, you know, a very, I think, a very fun and fair podcast where did we take jabs at each other a little bit? Yes, absolutely. For our doctor opinions, uh, me and uh, Reese especially got a few uh, jokes thrown our way. However, there was a comment received in, in the comment section, which, you know, you cannot find because I did delete it. Um, you know, maybe I shouldn't have, and maybe, you know, we should have had screenshots and what have you. Um, but at the time I was too appalled and, you know, a bit taken back by some of the language used. I won't repeat it here. It's on Twitter. I don't, you know, you know, I don't really want to, you know, but it was taken into a, a place that wasn't fair on myself, John, or perhaps anybody else that it could have been potentially aimed at within the podcast. Uh, there was some offensive language, uh, some offensive terms used, and it, it's not something I like. Um, and like John said, before John goes into his bit, it was all centered around the fact that the battle around Square of Colossus, the Doctor Who story, for those who aren't Doctor Who fans, was at the bottom of our all-time list of Doctor Who stories. And like John said in his tweet, I'm a defender of the Whitaker era. I'm a big fan. So why, why, even though you should never bring it to that level, why are you even coming at me in the first place? It's bizarre enough and it just shows that there are some people out there in the world that doesn't matter what you actually say, they just want to tear you down and they'll say anything to do it. You know, they don't give a, they don't really give a shit what you really think. They just want to try and say shit and bring you down. And yeah, it was horrible. Well, I'll let John say a few words so I know he wants to speak about this one. Yeah, uh, thanks, Alex. I was absolutely raging when you told me about this the other night. Um, I completely understand why you deleted the comment. I, I, I can appreciate why you why you did that um however if the person who left that comment is listening um or anybody else who is considering leaving us abusive comments is listening i have asked alex in future not to delete any abusive comments that come in um because i want to be screenshotting them i'm going to be calling them out publicly on twitter um at the end of the day we're here talking about a tv show we're talking about different opinions on a television show. If you want to come and disagree with us about a television show, absolutely fine. Do not ever bring my disability, Alex's disability, any other irrelevant factor into that. Do not ever throw ableist abuse at us. It is immaterial. It is inconsequential. It's nothing to do with our opinions on a television show. You know, I don't think that the Battle of Ranskorav Kolos is shit because I'm blind. I think it's shit because it's shit. And by coming at me with ableist abuse, do you really think that is going to change my mind? Do you really think that's going to sit? I'm going to sit there and go, oh, this person's called me blind and retarded. And suddenly I love this episode. No, all you're doing is convincing me even more that it's shit because that is the only argument that you have. You don't have the capacity logically or evidentially to come at us and actually form an argument and explain to us why it's not the worst Doctor Who story that's ever been made. 
all you can do is get personal. That's the level of your mentality. That's all you've got. You're going to the last resort. And it is worth mentioning that it wasn't just bottom. It was bottom by some way. It was like a full 0.75 below the second worst story. And nine people voted for that. So it wasn't even just about my opinion or Alex's opinion, which is incredibly fair when it comes to the Whitaker area. You know, it, it's down there because it's trash. It's down there because it's toilet. And I'm going to sit here and say it's trash and toilet once again, because I know that pisses you off. I know that gets to you. I know that you're affected by me saying that this absolute anti-climax series finale that is a waste of 60 minutes of my time, a waste of a very good guest cast, a waste of any petrol that was used in filming it, a waste in any electricity, of time, of energy, even a waste of the fucking sandwiches that they had for lunch while they were making it. I'm just going to double down on that and double down again, because all that you've done by coming at me and coming at one of my best friends is show what a pathetic person that you are and show that I can get to you by telling you that that story is god-awful, shite, deserves to be bottom of the pile and will probably still be bottom of the pile in 50 years' time when they're celebrating the 110th anniversary of Doctor Who because Russell T Davies is coming back and he is a hundred times the writer that your buddy Mr Chibnall will ever be. Clip that and put that on Twitter. Ah, oh, that's great. No, absolutely. I also I, that's a that's a soundbite for your podcast, wait, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. I also do have to say though, um, as well. Um, thank you to anybody that liked or retweeted tweets so that were take you know that were you know uh we posted and also anybody as well. Like I like John said at the very start of his discussion. If you guys want to disagree with us, we're fine with that. That's what this show is all about. The reason that there's six of us on the podcast is so there can be discussion, there can be disagreement. And I understand, I do want to, there is, it's a substantial loud minority that do this. I know I have been to events and I've met some of the loveliest people ever. It is a loud minority. So don't worry, we do know and we do realise that it is a loud minority. Absolutely. This is somebody that is part of a minority. It's an absolute outlier. And it has, I have to say that, you know, some of the supportive messages that we've had on Twitter today when I call it out have come from fans of this era. They've come from Jodie fans who themselves are appalled at the way that we have been treated and the way that that has been represented. You know, it's not indicative of that part of the fandom as a whole, but I'm not going to have anybody, whatever their reason, treat us that way and treat you that way absolutely not and for those people who are very similar and say things like once you know the doctor comes back and it's not a woman or you know as the doctor comes back and it's not this person if you don't like the fact if you say that you're all inclusive and then you don't like the fact that you know shooty gat was another doctor or whatever piss off we don't want you here if it, you're all inclusive or you're not shut the fuck up don't pretend to be something you're not be you know if you if Fuck off, seriously. Let us be. 
Let us enjoy Doctor Who. We weren't stopping you in the first place, so don't try and stop us. That's right. I, might, I think I might draw the line if the Doctor was played by a Tory. Jacob Rees Mogg is the Doctor. He fucking dresses like him all the time. <laughs> That's why I thought of him. Right, anyway, let's go back to the fun of games. Right, so we are starting with Doctor No here today. And like I said, like John said, I have never seen this film before this afternoon. First of all, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know the plot. I knew that Sean Connery was in it, and that's about it. Um, I'll let John do a... Sw- obviously, it's a film, so I'm not going to get him to do the entire breakdown, but he wants to give, like, a smaller sort of synopsis-ish thing, and then we can kind of get into the nitty-gritty, because um, he can probably do a much better job than I can. Um, yeah, but I've seen it, like, 20 times, so I'm more than happy to do so. Okay, so obviously Doctor No made in 1962, released on um, October 5th, 1962, actually, so we're coming up to the 60th anniversary of Bond this year. Um, The film opens after a very, after your standard Connery firing firing down a gun barrel opening and the kind of stylish Bond theme credits. Uh, We are in Jamaica where uh, Strangways, who is a British agent, um, he's playing cards with three of his buddies, uh, one of whom is uh, the head of Government House um, in Jamaica, and uh, another one is uh, Professor Dent, who's a geologist, and there's also an army major there. So Strangways goes off to his regular four o'clock, I think it's four o'clock, I mean, if I'm right, I'm a genius, goes off to his regular four o'clock call, Um but on his way out of the building, he is uh, assassinated by three men posing as blind men uh, in what's one of the most iconic scenes in Bond history. Um, so they kill Strangways, they dump his body into a car, they then drive off to his office, kill his secretary, uh, trash the place and steal two files from his filing cabinet, which are relating to Crab Key and Dr. No. Um so if you know, no spoilers there, it's literally the name of the film. Uh, we then go to London, where James Bond is called away from his uh, gentleman's club, where he's playing Baccarat. Um, I think it's Baccarat, isn't it? Um, and goes to M's office, where it's explained to him that they've not heard anything from Strangway. He's not been able to reach him for hours. And he's told to fly straight out to Kingston to go and find out what's going on. Uh, so after going back to his hotel and having a bit of uh, fun with a young lady, uh, Bond flies out to Jamaica where he is met by a driver claiming to be from Government House. However, Bond phones up Government House on the sly and finds out the driver is not actually from there. He's taken away and watched out of the airport by a very shady man in uh, shades, actually, sunglasses. Um, So Bond asks the driver to take him to the Government House, but take him on a little tour first. They go down a side road where Bond confronts the man by sticking a gun in the back of his neck. There's a fight and he overpowers him, but just before the man tells him who he works for, he bites into a cyanide cigarette. Somebody has terrified him so much that he's committed suicide with cyanide. Uh, Bond then goes to Government House where he finds out the Strangways has been working with a local fisherman called Quarrel. He goes down to the docks where he meets Quarrel um, who I love as a character, actually. Um, and they then go and meet in a sort of restaurant bar where Quarrel and his friend, the name of whom I cannot remember, but um, I'll, I'll look it up in later. Um, 
uh, attempt to fight with Bond in the back room. Bond overpowers a pair of them, but then uh, our friend with the sunglasses approaches from behind and puts a gun to Bond's neck. It turns out that actually this is Felix Leiter, a CIA, CIA agent who Bond is meant to be working with, and that Quarrel and his friend have been working with Leiter in order to find out what's going on, because somebody has been using a radio transmitter in order to try to divert rockets and missiles being sent from Cape Canaveral. And obviously the US are very, very interested in that. On speaking to Quarrel about Strangways, it turns out that Strangways has been taken to a place called Crab Key, which Quarrel is very, very suspicious about. They went there at night, collected some rock samples. Bond ascertains that Strangways took the rock samples to Professor Dent, and Professor Dent, the geologist, basically says, well, they were just rocks and he wanted to find out if they were worth any money. However, it turns out that Dent is actually an agent working for the mysterious man who lives on the island, a man called Dr. No, and Dr. No gives Dent a tarantula, which is placed in Bond's bed. Uh, we then get an incredibly tense scene, which again is quite iconic, of Bond in bed with the tarantula slowly going crawling up him and crawling over his face. It feels like it lasts about five minutes, but it doesn't. Um, he kills the tarantula and then realises that Dent is um, a baddie, a double agent. The next day he goes to Government House, ends up chatting up um, the head of Government House's secretary and goes to visit her. Uh, she is also working for Dr. No. Um, after spending the afternoon with her in a, uh, in a biblical fashion, shall we say, um, Bond... Um, pretends that he's going to go to a restaurant, but actually telephones for the chief of police to take her away. He waits in the room when Dent comes to kill him because Bond set the pillows up to look like a body in the bed. And he confronts Dent and then kills Dent. Bond and Quarrel then take a trip over to Crab Key on Quarrel's boat. Uh, when there, they meet a shell catcher named Honey Rider, played by Ursula Andress. Uh, who is rather undressed in this particular film um, at various points. Um, and they're hunted down on the island by various kind of soldiers and militia who are working for Dr. No. It's quite clear early on that yeah, the island is radioactive. They're getting Geiger readings from everything. Quarrel's continually talking about dragons and Honey Rider backs him up that there are dragons. They're hunted with machine guns, they're hunted with dogs. Finally, a tank with a flamethrower attached comes after them and Quarrel is killed quite horrifically. He's burnt to death. Uh, Bond and Honey are then taken to Dr. No's base where um, initially they're treated relatively well, but they're then drugged. Um, Dr. No is a man with um, kind of amputated hands, you know, like metal hands, uh, which I think they establish has happened as a part of like the atomic experiments he's doing because he's got a nuclear reactor on the island that he's using to power his radio waves. Bond eventually overpowers one of the scientists and then decides to send the uh, nuclear reactor into kind of overdrive to lead it to explode by just turning up the heat and then throwing a couple of people 
into uh, into the water coop that's cooling the reactor. Uh, Doctor No attempts to kill him, on for, but there's quite a good fight on like a platform and a ladder, uh, which results in Doctor No uh, dying in the reactor because his metal hands can't grip on the ladder. Unfortunately, this isn't the first time in the Bond series that we will see somebody's disability be used against them. <laughs> and it's not the first time that we're going to see um, disabled supervillains. <laughs> it's a bit of a running theme. Um, you know, um, but yeah, so in the end, the island is evacuated. Uh, Bond rescues Honey, who's been kind of chained up to the bottom of a a kind of <laughs> of something of something she's just there yeah it's like a kind of cave she's she, up in a cave she's sort of like tied up in a cave in very shallow water just covering the bottom of her legs for some reason yeah it's it's and, it, and it's like I'm, I'm not what are you what you know you've got a nuclear reactor going off and what you're waiting for the fucking tides to come in you know it's not like it's not like any sharks are going to reach you there and I'm not aware of any crocodiles or anything like that. But yeah, for, for apropos of no reason at all, she's she's literally chained up to the bottom, tied up to the bottom of a cave with some very shallow water. Um, basically, I think Dr. No just goes, I'm going to leave you here to look sexy. And um, so he rescues her. They escape from the island, get onto a boat, and are then towed away by um, Felix Leiter and the CIA. Um, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah, um, I think I've got most of the salient points in there. I don't think there's much that I missed. No, not at all. I think you think you hit the nail on the head. Um, right, John, I'm going to go first. This one, I had a good time with this. I can't lie. I don't. I had a good time. Obviously, it has its issues. Um, some things are dated. Um, I don't just mean like obviously the effects and stuff. Like I mean some of the subtext and s- some particular people are not represented very well. Shall we say? Um, however, the, there's a few things that stood out to me within 10 minutes. First of all, Sean Connery is like so charismatic mm. instantly. It's, it, he's, he's amazing from the first scene, just has so much, you know, I don't, pizzazz, I suppose. It's, it's, it's very good instantly. Number two, uh, actually, I thought the action in this wasn't that bad. Obviously, 60s films, so you have to take into consideration that you can't have all the big bang, crash, and wallop that we do in the Bond films these days. But actually, there was, like you say, there's a few really good scenes. I thought actually this is, the suspense in this movie is really good. You, there was a real, especially in the middle act, there's a real sort of you don't know who you can trust. So every character you sort of meet and you initially think they're good, you don't know. And that's very well handled and you kind of don't know you can trust. So you're sort of analysing every person as you're watching it to kind of go, are they bad, are they not? The, the before, it's really funny. I don't know if it's intentionally funny, but it's like, obviously they want Bond to be a womanizer. So essentially he says two things to them and they already want to just sleep with him. <laughs> like the, the first time he sleeps with, I don't know what her name is. That's how much uh, Sylvia, Sylvia, Sylvia Trench, isn't it? Yeah. To be fair, he, 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 I think he does like literally lend, lend her a thousand pounds across a card table or something. So yeah. that's, that's probably got him in her good books to start with. Yeah. And then she's just in his room and he's like, I've got to go. She's like, But do you have to go? And they make love. Um, then Bond knows that this woman is bad, but still decides to. You know, um, and then at the end, they're being towed along by this other boat, but they're like, 
Um, him, you know, he's just like, nah, screw it. I want to make out with this girl even more and have sex. So I'm just gonna leave the toe. Um, just like, what? So yes, uh, that's really. Yeah. It's, it's like you've been towed for three minutes. There's literally a bloody <laughs> nuclear reactor going off behind you, and, and you know you're just gonna, you know, you can't get get like a tarp or something and pull it over you. You're literally gonna leave the boat that's towing you away. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant um yeah I, I think and also another thing that's really good about this film is the pacing it moves at a whip it doesn't it's not slow at all within 10 minutes you're already into the action bond's already in jamaica you know what's going on you know it's, it's already kicking off um it's just it's a lot of fun this one it's a lot of fun i'd say yeah it's almost made it's almost made as if like film is at a premium and so they're like, right, we're not going to waste any time. We're just going to tell the story. And, and it, it, it just works. Um, and it does make it great fun. It means it rolls along at a fantastic pace. Um, in spite of being different in many ways to some of the more modern films, it also establishes quite a lot that we still see in the modern yeah. films. You know, so actually that whole thing of, well, Bond can bed a woman inside a couple of lines. It kind of still happens. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's maybe a bit more subtle these days because it has to be, but yeah, it kind of still happens. And, you know, the, the, the whole sort of thing of... Um, the whole sort of thing of, of going to exotic places and meeting sort of people in those exotic places that will help you out and you don't know who to trust etc 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 um and some other things that it kind of establishes that i won't get into because they'll feel they'll spoil several movies down the line but there's quite a few tropes that come up here that you'll just see recurring throughout yeah yeah i'd I'd like i said i think like you say it does treat film as if it's at a premium also it's something the film doesn't treat the audience like we're stupid. It, it kind of needs us to kind of be watching, pay attention, know everything, because it will just say something and it's not going to repeat it or dumb it down. It's very rare that there's a, too much exposition. There are some scenes where they're just talking and saying certain words that I didn't particularly understand. They were like, we've got to go to this reactor room where this is going to happen. I'm like, but what does that mean? But and you kind of have to go along with it, but that's not really a distraction. It's only kind of in the last third where you sort of don't really, un- like I didn't really catch what was really going on too much. Mm. Um, but like, there's a lot of campy action as well, which I'm a fan of. I understand some people aren't, and that's why they prefer the more modern films. I, I love a good bit. I mean, look, we're classic Doctor Who fans. We're used to like the kind of weird fights, especially like John Pertwee. This works for me. Seeing seeing um, Bond hit somebody once and then be able just to throw them over of like stairs. Um, seeing Bond just be able to like avoid tons of bullets at once. Um, yeah, I think you say we get we meet a really good cast of characters in this film um, as well, and the very fleshed out characters as well. Actually, it's 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 pretty good. Uh, we also get some fun little gadgets. The cyanide cigarette was it was a particular favorite of mine. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a lot of fun, mate. I can't like it's been one of those where I think we just go through it. No, just I'll reply with it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, even like some of the little tricks that Bond uses, like kind of taping the hair across the door and things like that, so that you can see if anybody's been in the room. 
um, while he's been out and stuff like that. It's just very clever little stuff, you know, and it's the kind of thing that spies used to do back in the 1950s. You know, they, 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 they lay these little traps, they do these little things. So there's, there's an element of element of realism to it, not necessarily in the scale of the story, because, you know, most spy work, let's face it, is, is, is not as kind of full on an action field as that. It's more observation and things like that. But some of the little tricks that he uses certainly are very authentic. Absolutely. I'm a big fan, again, of making it look like there's somebody in the bed, so that's really cool. Um, just, yeah. Um, I'd say I know some people are going like, to probably go, oh, it, you know, I'm not making fun of this because I loved it. I'm a big fan of when someone's driving and it's just a green screen. That shot, <laughs> just that... I, I love shit like that. I know. I, I think it's great. And like, just the fact that he's bobbing along, you see Sean Connery moving his head around a little bit. I just think, I just think oh, that's brilliant. And I wonder, especially at the time as well, what Sean would have been thinking. They're like, Sean, drive a car, mate. We'll make it look all right. Bobbing right up and down. Because the green screen and that sort of compositing would have been relatively new then, to be honest. It would have died. Yeah. I mean, they probably, would have, they probably would have thought it looked quite flashy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it... <laughs> It, it does look a little bit ridiculous now. Um, and, I, and I think like things like, I think things like the Naked Gun and Police Squad have kind of spoiled little tricks like that because Police Squad, which was like the, the, the sitcom precursor to the Naked Gun, used to do things like, you know, they'd be sitting in the police car driving along and the green screen behind them would have something like a fucking Roman chariot race going <laughs> behind them, or like, you know, just ridiculous things. Um, or sort of people flying over the windscreen and stuff as they're just casually driving around. Um, but, so, but yeah, it's, it, it works. And I think you just have to take it as, um, I think you just have to take it as a, of its time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and yeah, there are probably a few things as we talk through this that you kind of have to go, well, actually, it's of its time. Yeah. Um, you know, because... There are one or two elements that are quite questionable in this. Absolutely. Um, I think as well, just it's just like, I think the dialogue's really snappy. Like, I think the thing is, is that Bond sometimes these days isn't as likeable as he is in this film. Like, I'm a big fan of Daniel Craig's James Bond, but I wouldn't say I like the character of that. Whereas Sean Connery, I'm like, this is a sick, badass guy who can get the ladies. He's slick. He's cool. He's charming. You know, he's the dialogue was really good. Um, the only thing that let me down was I loved the perception of Doctor No. Like this, we didn't really know who Doctor No was. We didn't really know what he looked like, and we didn't know really know what his character was. But when we meet him in the final act, it did fall flat a little bit for me. Not just because of the issues with that character, but also I thought. Oh, it was really cool actually when you didn't know who Doctor No was. And then when you meet him, it just kind of goes a bit like, oh. Yeah, they build him up very well. You know, so so you know, for example, you you know, you don't get introduced to him for quite a while. Like literally, you see his name in the first five minutes of the film because it's on the front of the file, but you don't get introduced to him for quite a while. And then you know, you get the thing where Dent goes to the island and you hear this voice. And it's not even a kind of booming or sort of menacing voice. It's just this very calm voice, but with a degree of menace to it. 
and, and you know it just works very well and yet maybe it does fall a little flat when you actually get that reveal in the third act I I, 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 I will accept that yeah yeah I, I think I don't know like I don't I, I don't obviously I don't know what I was expecting but it was just to me like the whole thing of oh I was testing you Bond to see if you would be good enough to join Spectre and all this sort of stuff um, and, I, and then he's like yeah no I don't actually fancy it and then there's just a fight ensues I'd be like oh you were building up this whole kind of confrontation and there wasn't really one and he just kind of scuppers away and then we get a really cool sequence in like tunnels with water and stuff that's really cool I'm not going to shit on that it's a wonderful sequence it's brilliant we get a campy fun action sequence at the end but actually the main thing itself wasn't something that I went oh yeah I really can't wait to think of that the, me- the, the guy this is named after Doctor No, I was like, possibly one of the weaker parts of the film as a character of itself, as an actual plot device and as the build-up, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, and I mean, we are... It, I think it is a situation where, generally speaking, in terms of villains across the 25 films, we are spoiled. We get some cracking villains, we get some cracking performances. They range from the kind of menacing to the very kind of over-the-top and yeah, I, I mean, Doctor No isn't really the focus on this, which is weird because it's the name of the film. Um, it's more the kind of introduction to Bond, if you like. Um, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's odd. It's, it's almost like Doctor No is a bit inconsequential in the film that's actually named after it. Um, yeah. And I think a part of that is because you don't kind of, you don't really see him in the third action. You know, you you hear about these things that he's done. So you hear about the fisherman that went over and didn't come back, and you hear about Honey's father being killed and things like that. But you don't actually see any of that. You know, and you know, you kind of see elements of like the fear that he puts into people. So the guy biting into the cigarette and the woman who's going to stab herself and stuff like that. That, but yeah, it's, it's you don't really kind of see him being villainous. No, yeah, I think that's what it is. Um, and like you said, I think over the... Again, I don't know many of them, but I do know for the fact that some of the Dose Bond villains are iconic. Um, and yeah, I think this is a really good starting point. I think it is... You know, Like I said, when I came out watching that film, I, went, I had a really good time with that. I had a lot of fun. I, you know... And I, I don't know, I didn't go in with any expectations. I didn't look at the like the star score. I didn't know what the perception of this film was. I obviously knew it must have done well at the box office because they did a sequel, but I didn't actually know what the public perception of the film was. So when I came and I had no expectations, I came up going, yeah, I had a really solid time with it's, that. It's one that's had a bit of a re-evaluation. So I think on release, it wasn't necessarily received that well. It did well at the box office, but critically it wasn't received that well. But I think... The, retrospectively, people now look at it as one of the better films. Um, for me personally, I think that it's probably in the mid-range of the Conneries. There are there's better stuff to come, um, but it's it is a lot slick. It's probably one of the most slick Bond films in terms of pacing. It doesn't meander, it just rolls along. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I've said I have to say as well, it's really good with its action. Like it's very sparse with its action. It's not just like bang, bang, bang. Fuck. Like there is a lot of times you get some character moments. Normally quite campy and silly, um, but overall some some good like some fun stuff. Like you say, there are some really dark contents. So there's obviously that photographer that was like willing to like stab herself and yeah. stuff like that you get some really dark answers. and again that's part that's really good in the build-up to dr no as a character because you're like yeah. how can one person make somebody be scared so much just to mention who they are or even their name who is enlisting that fear in them yeah. um and then when you meet them you're a bit like oh yeah and i mean even even sort of not related to dr no you know you get I mean, you get the scene where Honey tells Bond about her being raped by a landlord. Yeah, you know, and and you know the the fact she 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 put a she put a black widow in his bedroom and it, and it took him a week to die and stuff like that. And, it, and it's like there's some proper dark stuff in there, um, yeah. and it's largely dark because of um, it's largely dark because of that's quite dark in the books, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's quite, it's quite brutal in points and quite serious, you know, which um, is something that the series doesn't always do. It kind of fades in and out of that. So, you know, there are times when you don't get that serious aspect to Bond um, with certain actors and there's others where they overplay it to a degree. But I think this probably account gets the balance right. Absolutely, because I think you still come out of that the film with, like I said, that fun kind of. I had a really good time with this. It was yeah. an hour and fi- it's an hour and fifty minutes. It was like an hour and a half, to be honest. Yeah. It it does a really good job at uh, you know just having a good time. But yeah, it handles that stuff well. It doesn't feel out of place. It feels and you sort of at that point care about the characters enough to you know feel connected yeah to them yeah and some of the i mean some of the production where you might suspect there would be issues it, it you can it kind of glosses over a little bit you know so the fact that um you know the fact that ursula andres was was dubbed or was was dubbed twice over you don't really kind of notice it because they, they had one actress dubbed for the speaking voice and they had another actress dubbed for the singing voice. Um, you, you don't really kind of notice it too well. No. You, you just kind of take it in its stride because you're being so kind of taken away on this journey that you don't even have time to kind of think about stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's so kind of... The journey is all enticing, and like I said, it's it's not a simple story. You have to keep double guessing characters. You don't really know where you're going. Bond doesn't really know where he's going mm. at any point. He's gone to he's gone to Jamaica, but he knows kind of the location, but he doesn't really know what he's doing there. Doesn't really know who's behind it. Doesn't really know who he can trust. Yeah, um, I mean, it's brilliant. You know that the whole setup is 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 the whole setup is he doesn't know what's happened. You know, you know, the, the, basically the whole reason for him being there, the whole setup is just. We can't contact our agent. We we've lost Jamaica. We've not been able to contact our agent. Go and find out what's happened. Yeah, now, obviously we, we know as an audience, but 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 Bond doesn't. So he's kind of going in yeah. completely blind, so to speak. 
and that allows the kind of like you say, although we do get a few more tidbits, perhaps than Bond, we still because we are following Bond and this is Bond's movie, we still don't really know much more than he does, and that's really fun because, like I said especially on the first watch, I'm sat there going, well, who can I trust? Who can I not? Even though he's had sex with her, is she good and is she not? <laughs> what does Bond, you're also questioning as well, what does Bond know? What When Bond walks into a room, does he actually know more than he's letting on? Yeah. How, you know, how intelligent is this character? So when, when you see those moments and you get those payoffs, it's really cool. And yeah. I think that's, I think yeah, I have to give a massive, um, um, you know, Shout out to Connery as well, because like I said, I've not seen any of his Bond films. I know he's an iconic Bond, he's obviously the very first, but legitimately, that is a great performance throughout. He does the series very well. You can tell as well, he does have a connection to Honey. So, uh, yeah, it's... Yeah. I mean, it's... it's And something else that comes across again, across the comedy Bond, and it, and it comes across here, he is hard. Yeah. He is one hard bastard. You, you, you know, you know that he's not. You know, there's not many people that are going to best him in a fight. Oh, absolutely! You know this. This is a this is a guy that's got the bollocks to lie in bed with a fucking tarantula for two minutes until he can, <gasps> until he can squish it with a shoe. Like like you said though, that scene you hit the nail on the head when you said earlier on your breakdown when you were like it feels like it lasts five minutes but it's actually possibly about four, 45 seconds to a minute. I was sat there going mm 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 mm, and that's mm, -mm. Yeah, that's that's all about the music and the sound effects. Yeah, it's all about and, and like the fact you can literally see the swell and bond, but it's all about like the music and the sound effects bringing up the tension, and it's like wow, that's I mean I. I'm like you, I'm like the spiders, I'm like, mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah, you know, but and you know, I, I, I was, I was, I mean, I've seen it before, obviously, but I was sat there eating me tea while it was on last night, and I'm like, oh, and yeah, it feels like it lasts about five minutes because it, it, it's just, it's, it's the stuff of nightmares, yeah, absolutely. Um, and Connery, even though it only cuts him a few times, his face with the sweat pouring, mm. it's one of the rare times when we see Bond kind of scared. Mm. You know, we rarely, even in films where he's like up against human beings who could literally kill him at the summer finger, it's one of the only scenes where I've ever seen Bond scared. So obviously this is the first time you've seen it. Did you guess what was in the box when Dent mm. took the box? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Because so, that's the great, you know, you know it's something bad because even as Dent's walking away, he's literally holding it at an arm's length, isn't he? He's like... Yeah, <laughs> yeah again, every aspect of this film seems to have an attention to detail to it. Which yeah. is, is, is sensational. Another thing as well is I'm really happy about this, is there are elements to it, but I'm happy that Bond isn't invincible. Like, he doesn't like, do anything yeah, at this point, absolutely batshit and gets away with it. Like, this film is very much kind of like... It's very clear if he gets shot, he's going down. Sort yeah. of thing. like you don't, he doesn't take this. I think that's the issue with many action films. You say with it being Mission Impossible, the Mondays one with James Bond or you know, um, whoever can take so many bullets and damage and get away with it. And I kind of just sit there and go, huh? Yeah, you know, whereas in this film, it's very clear, um, that that is not the case. Yeah, it's steeped in realism, you know, you see him get hurt. 
so you know for example the section in the pipe where he has to rip his shirt off to cover his hands in the pipe because of the the heat that's coming through the pipe uh, it's 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 yeah he he's he's not invulnerable yeah absolutely it, it, it it's brilliant um stuff like i said i don't really this it's weird that normally i just read a podcast that we know ne- i don't have a really a massive issue with this film they like said there are issues with it but most of them are of its time and stuff we could get into but it's semantics and stuff that we go you wouldn't see that today and we could complain about it but at the end of the day for me like we can't really add anything to it then other than yeah. you wouldn't see that today that's not polit- you know that's not really correct to do and it's, but yeah and, and it's i mean what you'd also note is that most of the jamaican characters that bond meets are good guys they're his allies they help him you know like like he's two with the exception of lighter his two biggest allies in this film are jamaican guys yeah that, that, that you know don't have a, like an affiliation or anything. They're, they're just there to help him because they believe in what's right and i mean you know when you look at what happens to quarrel it's awful it's horrible you know like Genuinely, you feel sick. I I had to look away. I had to look away. I had to look away. Even yeah, at the thought it, of it, because it, it's like you know, this guy's sacrificed himself to to you know for somebody that he's just met. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 like I said. That's that's the weird thing about this film is that everything has its time. Everything is paced to perfection. Everything is sort of written really well. Um, you know, like you say, this film actually is a really good start for it. Actually, this film, I'm happy that I've come away from this film quite positive and ready to kind of go into the next next month. Not watch it and gone, oh no, you know. I had, so, a, I, mean, I, I had a feeling that you would. What be positive or negative? Yeah, I had a feeling that you would, because yeah. it, it's just a very well made film. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I've overall, like I said, this podcast might be shorter again, guys, because we didn't. I don't. I don't have anything really negative to add, or much more to say than what we already have. And there's no point wasting your time talking for an extra half an hour, just going over things over and over again. You know, obviously, normally if it's like time flight, we can get into a debate and discuss things. But really, for me, mate, I just had a good time. Like at the end of the day, I had a, like I just watched it and I went, yeah. That's cool. Some really nice moments in there. Obviously, so there are some things you look at now and you sort of cringe at and you go, oh. Mm. But then you have to go to the thing of, it was the 60s. It doesn't make it right. I'm not saying it makes it right. But would they have done that today? No. Yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah. There are elements to it where it's like, okay. This is where we'd... But you know that in the same way as there are certain Doctor Who stories where you get into that, and it's like mm, you just gotta kind of. I I I always kind of take the view that you can't judge something from sixty years ago with today's moral standards. Yeah, you know, just as we wouldn't want media that is produced today to be judged by the moral standards of fifty years time. Exactly, you know, people would be appalled by a lot of it. It any it. You know, so you acknowledge it, you acknowledge that there are issues, you thank fuck that we've moved on and are more progressive yep. now in some ways. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it doesn't, it should never get in the way of it being um, a good piece of film or a good piece of media because it was never the intention at the time to offend. 
Nope. It's just the way things work. Yep. Exactly. And on that note, I think it is time for scores on the doors. I'm going to go, I'm going to be generous. I'm feeling happy there. I'm going to give it an eight. I had a, a very solid time with this film. Um, I would like, obviously, for me, it could have got a nine just by being like consistently quite good. Like it never bored me, right? If I was bored at any point, I would have probably dropped it, but I was always entertained. It's just for me, the actual character of Dr. No just did nothing for me. And actually I ended up at the end of it just going, all right, cool. So I'm going to give it an eight. Yeah, that's interesting. I'd go seven and a half. Cool. Yeah. You know, I think I think that's I think that's incredibly fair. Um, yeah. Like I said, guys, um, this is going to be a new series every month. It's not going to be me and John. I think ever again. I think there's going to be like always three of us from now on. I think this is the only one where literally. Yes, we are. We are scheduled to have somebody on for every one of the next twenty-four films. Obviously, people might drop out of the schedule, but we'll wing in a reserve or whatever. But we just felt that for the first one, it was important to have it as just us two so that we could introduce the series, talk a little bit about our own kind of relationships with the series and where we are with it. And obviously, as we get guest contributors come in, we'll then be able to um, talk to them about like, their experiences of the films. Yeah, absolutely. Uh... Um, so next, I think whenever we do the next one, which will be sometime next month, um, it is scheduled to be from Russia with Love. And we are scheduled to be joined by Mr. Adam Mamoon, friend of the show. Yes, friend of the show. Like John said, though, and teased, there are going to be some new people, some new faces um, throughout the series. Um, I think you meet one of them quite early on. I think one of them is kind of in the mid-pack. So yeah, we, we do meet we meet somebody new quite early on. Yes. So, but you will see some old faces and new faces. Um, but yes, absolutely. And of course, none of the contents is appearing. And that's exactly why it's penciled in in my head. I did speak to you about this the other day. Next week should be Vincent the Doctor. So we'll return to the Doctor Who monthly reviews. That's also going to be another really positive one now. It's so, like the end of a short one, isn't it? Because it's just yeah. be, it's me, me, you and I are going, oh, I bloody love Vincent the Doctor. It's bloody good, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so that's going to be another short one. Absolutely. But you can follow John on Twitter at JohnBoy underscore Cook. Uh, for my favourite Twitter account on Twitter um, that isn't West Ham Clips um, and you can follow me on Twitter at the Timeless Pods or at Alex King underscore Dom or you can follow my Instagram if you want to uh, um, at Alex underscore King underscore Dom so yes uh, next week Vincent the Doctor and uh, yes we'll see you guys all soon take care everybody bye bye it does give me a little minute as we're running as we're going quite quickly it does give me a little minute to mention that I met, I met Russell T Davies on Saturday you did? I did. I met Master T. Have you There's a lovely, there's a lovely photo. Very, very, very light, very, very nice man. So anyway, yeah, was... I, thought I thought I'd just leave you all jealous. There you go. Are you going to say a regular thing, or are you just going to end it on that bombshell this week? No, no, you're right. Uh, good night. God bless. Don't have nightmares. Do sleep well. Underneath the mango tree, my honey and me, we've got the moon.